Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are out there. My name is Wes, and I too am not one of the pastors here. But I am a friend of the campus. We are members here at, at Alder Grove, and so it's been great to be part of this community. And when I was sent the, the text that asking if I would preach this morning, one of the assignments was not just preaching, but doing one of these interviews that have been happening over the last couple of Sundays, where we have one of the worship directors come up and then we interview them. And so this morning I get to interview Isaac. And so Isaac, if you want to join me up here. Good morning, Isaac. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, We've had a few conversations over the last couple of months. I've got to know you a little bit, but just give us a bit of a history of how did you wind up here at, at the Alder Grove campus? Yeah, so I was a part of the internship program, um, well, starting in 2021. Um, I started at the Walnut Grove campus, and then over this, this last summer, um, I transitioned into more worship and tech, and then through that was, um, became the worship director here, worship and tech director, well, intern, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so since, I guess, since the start, I've been um, doing a lot of the organizing and um, yeah, directing of the worship stuff, and I have a lot of great volunteers that I'm working with, so I don't want to take too much credit, but yeah, yeah. that's what I've been doing. Historically, I, I bumped into someone yesterday, and he had the same last name as you. Um, yes. Was there any connection? Um, uh, what was his first name? Corey. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that was my dad. So, uh, yeah, I've been attending Northland Community Church since I was six, um, and I've been involved in worship since, in some, in some degree, since I was eight. So I've been... Um, yeah, doing a lot of stuff, mostly at the Walnut Grove campus. I mean, actually, this campus for Yorkson didn't really exist until a couple years ago. But um, yeah, so I've been doing lots of worship with North Langley for a long time. And I think there was another family member up here with you. Yes, my wife, Hannah, was up here with me. And uh, yeah, so we got to serve together, which is really awesome. That and, is good. Yeah. yeah. How do you prepare for leading on a Sunday morning and, and kind of combining a few questions here? What, what's the toughest part of, of this ministry and some of the joys that you experience? Yeah, a good question. Um, well, as many of you guys will probably see, like I often am, I wouldn't, I would say primarily I'm playing, doing more like music stuff and not always the leader, but when I am leading, which I do occasionally, um, yeah, what's going through my head is number one, what is going to serve the community well? So that's always kind of lens I'm trying to look through because yeah, we're uh, we're we're quickly becoming a tight knit community, but especially from the start, we were coming from a lot of different backgrounds. So it's important to be like, okay, what's going to be what's not something I just like, and what's going to be something that like everyone else is going to be really served by. Um, and another key criteria is always looking at like what's the theme, what's the scripture passage, um, and so that's really helpful. And usually my goal is have like one to two just general gospel-centered songs, having one to two thematic songs, and then the extra is just an extra. So it could be a newer song, could be something that we like want to just introduce, maybe other campuses are doing it. Um, so yeah, those are the main things I'm thinking about. And yeah, what's, and I think if in maybe more of the background is it's like, what is congregational? I really want to make sure whatever songs we're doing are gonna be really helpful for people to enter into worship. So anything tough about this job? 
Um, yes, uh, <laughs> sometimes. But it's a really, I, I have really loved my time doing this. And I, um, yeah, one of the struggles I would say in this is sometimes, yeah, sometimes the themes or it's like it's just a scripture passage and it's like, okay, like it's, yeah, sometimes it's like one verse and it's like, oh, I don't know. It really depends. And I try to, because of the nature of our practices, like I'm always trying to prep the songs or at least in conversation with some of my worship leaders, like on the, the weekend before, so a, a week and a bit before our Sunday. So what that means is sometimes the sermon isn't written yet. And that also means if it's like just a very specific scripture passage, some scripture passages are not super easy to plan for. So that would be one of the struggles, I would say. Um, but that's where you get kind of the gospel-centered songs, and you just do your best, and you just hope that a lot of it's out of your control in the end, and you just hope that people are served by it. So, yeah. And I think the other part of the question the joy, was the yeah. joy. Yeah. yeah. I just love playing music, and I love serving in that way. And for me, that is the most... Um, way, I think this is answering the next question, but yeah, that's the way I connect with God the most, is just by serving and being in worship, and often I, that's playing drums or um, other instruments, but I, that's, that's the biggest joy for me, and, and, and also the people, and be able to do that with the people I'm getting to know further and building relationships with. How do you draw, draw close to Jesus? Some people might call that your worship language, like how, what, what is your worship language? Yeah, um, I would say, well, as I kind of said, yeah, like playing music, but I think specifically trying my best to look at playing as a selfless act rather than a selfish act. Um, I find that the times where I am being really specific about all these little parts and maybe trying to have little fun moments, and which is, which is great, but I find sometimes that distracts me, and so... I would say like my primary, the times that I feel most close or I feel like it's been most giving, life-giving for me are the times where I'm just not actually thinking at all about what's fun for me, but what's going to be really helpful for everyone else and the band and what's going to sound the best. And that's the times where I really think I draw closest to Jesus. Do you have a word for us? You're, you're the one that, that's kind of coordinating and, and leading us. Is there a word that you would have for us as your worshiping community? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's, it feels a little generic, but I think individually, um, find your way to connect with Jesus. And I think our goal is that through musical worship that we'll be able to serve many of you. But I think it'd be naive to say that that's going to serve everyone the same or to the same degree. So I think for everyone, um, this is just one way we are serving and one way we're trying to enter into worship, but there are many other ways. So in if this is a, a journey for you, I would say just keep on it and keep trying to find ways to connect with Jesus. And of course, that will develop too. So it's not gonna be, you have an answer in the beginning of your life and, and it's the same for the, forever. And so that'd be the main thing I would say. Thanks Isaac, appreciate Thank that. You. We've had a few people talk about the beginning of, of this campus, and it's seven and a half months. We, we began at the beginning of October, our kickoff Sunday, and we're in the middle of May. Seven and, seven and a half months that we've been together, that we've been drawing near, and, and a unique pulse, a, a rhythm that has been shaping us here. And, 
We come Sunday morning and more and more faces are familiar. We've tucked a few more names into our memory banks. There's new faces each Sunday, and that's always exciting. We love our leaders. We truly love them, and we're excited about our mission. We're excited about impacting Alder Grove. And, and yesterday, yesterday was just an example of how you came together to for celebrate single moms, and we celebrated, we impacted Alder Grove, we impacted the larger community because of your service here. And, and it was just fun to move around and, and see people serving and having fun and, and, and being the body of Christ on mission, impacting Alder Grove. One of the most important rhythms of, of church life is the gathering and scattering of the church, of the body of Christ. We gather to worship and we scatter to our unique communities to live as salt and light on mission. This rhythm is like breathing. We breathe in, we breathe out. We can't choose one or the other. Our lives, our, our spiritual lives are dependent upon that rhythm of worship, mission. Breathe in, breathe out, inhale, exhale. Every year, there's a, a joint service at Good Friday in Langley. And this has been going probably close to 30 years. This year, 15 churches joined together at CLA to worship on Good Friday. And I remember, this was quite a few years ago, the pastor who dismissed us, he said, remember this. And he said these words, we are designed for worship. When we gather as followers of Jesus, we worship. That is our calling. When we leave here, we leave on mission. We do mission because there are people who do not yet know how to worship. When there's no worship, we do mission so that all may worship Jesus, who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We are created to worship. And this morning, we continue exploring the theme of theme of worship under the banner of abide, knowing how important it is to inhale, to breathe in. And today's topic is captured in the word near. Last Sunday, Kevin spoke about awe and wonder. Awe and wonder embrace the transcendence of God. And a word that would describe that is far. When Kevin sent me a text with this one-word assignment near, I thought to myself, this is not a Mother's Day message. And then I thought, what am I going to do with this word near? We have near misses. There are people who are near and dear to us. And many of us, I, I'm nearsighted. When I mentioned this, I, I was talking with our life group, and, and I mentioned the topic near, that, that I was wrestling with this sermon, and Janice immediately started laughing. And she said, Grover. Grover from Sesame Street, and I didn't have a clue what that meant. And so Mark, who was sitting next to me, texted me a link to, to Grover teaching on near and far. And so we have Grover up near, and, and he's close to the camera. He says, this is near. And then he runs in the background, and he shouts, this is far. And then he runs for, and this is near. And this goes on for two and a half minutes. <laughs> So I'm saving you seeing that video. 
The best way for me to tackle this word near was to look at the scriptures, at the passages that were to give shape to the sermon. And there were three of them, three chapters that were sent to me. It was a little overwhelming, a little daunting, to say the least. The first passage of scripture was Ephesians chapter 2. And in the middle of Ephesians chapter 2, just nestled in there are two cornerstone salvation verses. And some of you have these, you know them by heart. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Our salvation is all God, all the time. I can't take credit for it. I cannot boast about it. And what has this salvation accomplished? The Apostle Paul tells us in the next verses, verse 12 and 13. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Paul is telling his readers, he's telling us that at one point we were outsiders. We were living far from God. Verse 13, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Let me just read that once again. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2 is 22 verses of, of dense, compact teaching on who we are as non-Jews, as outsiders. We are far away from God. But through the blood of Christ, we've been brought near. In other words, we've been brought near through Jesus' death on the cross. We've been saved from the kingdom of darkness and brought into his kingdom of light and life. God has adopted us. He's made us part of his family. This is near. If you have any doubt as to who you are as a lover and follower of Jesus, Paul reminds us. He says, you are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, you outsiders, are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We can't get any nearer to God than being his dwelling, the place where his spirit lives. We are near. This is near. But there is more. Kevin included Hebrews chapter 4. And this chapter begins about talking about the end of the age when everything is going to be wrapped up and it's a warning that some might miss out because they haven't remained faithful. And in this chapter, we have this amazing verse, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word is powerful. We should never be afraid to use his word in our conversations. Chapter 4 ends with a reminder, don't harden your hearts. 
Don't forsake Jesus. Stay near. And then verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Verse 16 in the English Standard Verse in the ESV reads this way. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne of grace is another way of saying the throne of God. We are given an open invitation to come into God's presence, into his throne room through Jesus Christ, our high priest. You can't get any closer to God than that. This is near. But there is still one more chapter, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10.1 begins this way. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Here we discover that the law, and the law is referring to the covenant that God made at Mount Sinai through Moses. He says this law, this covenant that we have, on all the sacrifices that are included in this covenant, they're not doing the job. Sacrifices weren't making people right or perfect, or maybe a better, would be, better word is complete. They weren't making people whole. These sacrifices had to be repeated endlessly every year over and over again. This law was only a shadow of a better way. Shadows hold no detail. They're flat, colorless, temporary. The temple, which lived at the center of Israel's worship, which was the only place people could come and be near to God, was a mere shadow of what was to come. God had something better in store for his people, but not just his people, but all people. In the middle of the chapter, the author shows us the better way to draw near. In verse 10, First he, Jesus, said to God, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, even though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he, that is Jesus, said to God, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He, God, set aside the first, that first covenant, that covenant he made with Moses at Mount Sinai, he set that aside to establish the second, the second covenant which he made through Jesus' blood on the cross, his death on the cross. In verse 10, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice on the cross makes us right, makes us complete, makes us whole before God. And to be right before God is to be holy. 
But there's more. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his, Jesus' body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. So much happening. The message sometimes put things a little more plainly, so let me read it from the message. So, friends... We can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. The way to draw near to God is through Jesus. This is near. Do you have any coffee left? Any teas? something cold, take a sip, shake your head, maybe move around a little bit. We need to refocus, regroup. Okay, here we go. The first thing that seems to be happening in these three passages is that we are not the initiators of drawing near. God is. And this is best pictured in the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Having listened to the serpent, Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. And immediately they knew something was off. Something was different. Not just different, but wrong. A seismic shift tilted their world. They were no longer leaning into God. They were leaning away from Him. A dis-ease entered their bodies, and they hid from God. And they hid their bodies from each other. Someone once asked Carlisle Marnie, where is the Garden of Eden? And Marnie replied, 215 Elm Street, Knoxville, Tennessee. You're lying, the fellow said. It's supposed to be somewhere in Asia. Well, you couldn't prove it by me, Marnie said, for there on Elm Street, I went and stole a quarter out of my mama's purse, and I went down to the store, and I bought me some candy, and I ate it. And then I was so ashamed that I came back home and I hid in the closet. And it was there that my mama found me and asked, where are you? Why are you hiding? What have you done? If you were to ask me, Wes, where is the Garden of Eden? I'd say it's at 295 East 38th in Vancouver because it was there that I first discovered what sin was all about, and I hid from my mother. Sin, disobedience, rebellion propels us away from God into hiding. Because of sin, near does not come naturally. Far does. Running and hiding does. Drawing near is what God does. He searches for Adam and Eve, and he calls them by name. God saw that they were not only hiding from him, but in their attempt to cover their nakedness, they were hiding from each other. And he clothed them. The arc of God's story told in the Bible is one of drawing near. He draws near to Noah. And he tells Noah, build a boat. He draws near to Abraham and he says, take a trip. He draws near to Jacob twice because Jacob's hiding from his brother Esau. Once he draws near to him in a, in a vision, in a dream, and, and, and 
Jacob sees heaven open up and heaven and earth join together with a ladder. And the second time, God actually meets him and wrestles with him through the night. God draws near to Moses, who's hiding on the backside of the desert, and he draws near in a burning bush. After hiding in a foreign land, Naomi and Ruth return to Israel, and God draws near to them by providing them with a kinsman redeemer. Elijah, he's hiding from King Ahab and Jezebel, hiding in a cave, and, and God draws near to him, not in a storm or in a raging fire, but rather in a gentle whisper. God drawing near is grace in action, a pure gift. There's no formula, no recipe or pattern to help us draw near to God. In the end, it is God who searches for us and finds us, like he found Adam and Eve, and he offers to hide our shame, our nakedness, our brokenness. This time, it's through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. We can draw near because he is first drawn near to us in Jesus. And when, when we catch this reality, when our eyes are open to know this truth, to truly know like a child knows her mother's smile and responds with a smile, we are propelled forward. We're drawn near because deep within us we are hardwired to respond to God. We are created for worship. Adrian Plass, a British humorist, tells of a time where he's on vacation in northern France with his family. It's a bicycle vacation, and they, he winds up in a small French village and in, in, in a church in this village, and he's there alone with his four-year-old daughter, Katie. And in this church is this amazing sculpture of Mary, the mother of Jesus, holding Jesus in her arms. He's just been taken down from the cross. Little Katie looks at this sculpture and sees the hole in, in Jesus' chest and asks her dad, what, what is the hole in his chest? And Adrian explains how a Roman spear pierced Jesus' side and showed that he was dead. And then she looks down and sees his feet, that there's holes in his feet. And she says, he has holes in his feet too, Daddy. And he sees a crucifix on, on the wall. And he points out how Jesus' feet are, are nailed to the cross. And then she looks and sees the nails in his hands. And she's not his hands too, Daddy. And, and as he's explaining what happened... Little Katie draws as close to Jesus as she can, and she puts her arm around him and lays her face on his knee. There is an intimacy about the crucifixion of Jesus that is often lost on us as adults. We're tempted to reduce the cross into some impersonal theology using words like penal substitutionary atonement or Christus victor, and we forget the unimaginable intimacy of an earthly mother and a heavenly father watching their son die, an unbearable death. His life for mine, his death for mine. And the most appropriate response that I can have for God, who has drawn near to me through Jesus, his son, 
is to get as close to Jesus as I can, so close that, that I wrap my arm around him and I lay my head on his knee and I whisper, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This is near. This is worship. It was a beautiful April afternoon. The two of us were sitting on the patio at Hazelmill Golf Course. We were sipping tea, having a great conversation, even though he was 20 years my senior. We had a lot in common. And he told me a story about coming to church with his wife one day and, and being pulled aside and, and told that there was an, individ, an individual, one of the pastor's wives, who was supposed to be serving in that morning service, but she was an emotional wreck. Her anxiety had taken over, and if you've ever had a panic attack or experienced high anxiety, you understand what was going on in her body and mind. My friend and his wife took this young woman into a side room with a few other people, and there in the side room, he opened up his Bible to Philippians chapter 4, and he started at verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Bring your request before God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from you or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When he closed his Bible and he looked up, the young woman looked into his eyes and she said, I never heard a word you said after you read, the Lord is near. Knowing that the Lord was near to her, she went out and was able to serve that Sunday morning. This is near. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 told us that the Lord is near. We are his dwelling place. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles, you outsiders, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We can't get any nearer to God than being the place where he dwells, the place where his Holy Spirit lives. Grover the theologian would say this, is near. God's answer to far is near. Jesus, who humbled himself and put on human flesh, eyebrows, kneecaps, toenails, came near. Literally, he tabernacled amongst us. He set up his tent in our midst. His death on the cross has dealt with sin, my sin, your sin. Sin is that barrier, the wall that, that keeps us hidden from God. Far from God. It's no accident that you are here this morning. It's no accident that you are here. God has brought you near. He's brought you here. But how do we respond? We respond 
by drawing near. Jesus invites us to draw near. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Drawing near is another way to say, come, come and worship. For me, when I gather Sunday mornings, I draw near to Jesus. And the reason I draw near to Jesus is because of you. You who carry the spirit of Jesus within you enter this place and together we become God's dwelling place and I feel near to Jesus. Some of us have been journeying with Jesus for a long, long time and, and at points Jesus can feel far. Not near, but far. Anne Lamott in her book, Plan B, writes, if you want to feel close to Jesus, find the people who are suffering or whom the world doesn't value. Are you feeling far? Find the people who are suffering or whom the world does not value. If you've heard nothing else this morning, hear this. The Lord is near. Jesus is near. And he invites us to draw near to him. And this morning we'll have people in the front again who are willing to pray, pray with you. If there's just something that, that you need, you've been wrestling with or just need someone to touch you and say a kind word, come and receive prayer this morning. We have a prayer room in the back as well that might be a little more private, a little more quiet. You might want to go back there. I want to invite the worship team to, to come up at this time. Mums, today is your day, Mother's Day. And some of you have mixed feelings. Raising children can bring great joy, but at the same time, it can produce some deep sorrow. So much emotional, mental, physical energy is, is put into raising children and to, in doing this work, and it can be a lonely place. Know that Jesus is near. Know that Jesus is near. In fact, we had a parent-child dedication a few Sundays back, and we were reminded as the body of Christ, as the church, that we are here to support the parenting task that, that is going on amongst families here. So if you feel alone, don't. Feel that Jesus is near because you've been planted in this community. We are here to care and support for you. But if you need prayer, just come up. Invite you to come up and receive prayer. Go back into the prayer room. But also, we are all bearers of Jesus. He is in us. And so as we're having conversations on our way out, you may say, sense something in someone's life and say, hey, can I pray with you? Or I'm going to take that with me through this week, and I'm going to pray about that. Do that in your conversations. Let us leave here today knowing that Jesus is near. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are near. Through your Holy Spirit, you live here amongst us. Give us courage to draw near to you. May your Spirit give us courage to, to reach out and touch those who, who need a touch, that may be feeling alone, 
or just wrestling with things, Lord. May we be sensitive to the people around us. Pray for our mothers today and the responsibility of, of raising children. Lord, give them grace and, and courage as well and, and mercy, Lord, in that parenting task. Bless them as they go from here and celebrate. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.